You're listening to Classroom Confessions with Katie Smith, a podcast where teachers share advice, encouragement, and the realities of today's classroom. Happy Friday, everyone. Welcome to Classroom Confessions. This is episode 14, and today we're recording on campus. So if you hear like loud noises, that's the classes next to us being loud. Um, today we have a special guest, Miss Rebecca Owen. Hello. And so we're going to record, we're going to do an interview with her so you can get someone else's perspective on teaching. Um, so as we do every week, we're going to start with our rose, thorn, and bud. So the rose is something good that happened, your thorn is something bad that happened, and then the bud is something you're looking forward to. So I'm going to let Rebecca go first. You can start with whatever you want, your rose, your thorn, or your bud. I'll start with good news. So my rose for the week was actually my observation with my administrator. Oh, uh, we yes. had our pre-observations, and it's my first year with her as my administrator, but I've known her the entire time I've been working here, which has been eight years. So um, I've seen her become a teacher, a dean, and now an assistant principal, and I just kind of love that growth story. And she gave me good feedback and good advice, and I think that's really beneficial when you have an admin. Um, my thorn has actually been my eighth graders' attitudes towards the school fundraiser that we're currently doing. Um, because every year eighth graders are just like, oh, you know, why do we have to do it? And I tell them, you know, the sixth graders are kicking your butt. And they're like, well, the sixth graders are extra and we don't care. And, you know, my parents don't want to donate any money. And so that was kind of just like a ugh moment. And I just kind of had to explain to them, you know, the money that was donated by the sixth graders or the seventh graders prior is the reason that we have the stuff that, you know, technology in our classes today and if all the school had the same attitude you guys did, then we wouldn't have the <laughs> money or the things that we needed to buy, the necessities. So that was kind of annoying. So that's my thorn. And then my bud is uh, fall is finally here. Yes. So I'm, Chilly in Las Vegas. I mean, it's, it was like a two-day conversion. It was like hot one day and boot weather and jackets degrees. the next day. So... <laughs> Um, it's it's really nice. I'm looking forward to the cooler weather because I like hiking during yes. the fall and the winter. So that that's my upcoming thing I'm really excited for. Yay. So my I'm going to start with my thorn. Um, I'm a slacker, and grades are due today, and mine aren't <laughs> done. So uh, preach. Um, that should be interesting. We're just all going to pray it's done by 4 o'clock. Um, my rose was I. Our school's doing this thing where each teacher has to go observe three other teachers. So I did mine yesterday, and I observed Rebecca, and then like two other teachers. And it's just really cool to kind of see how other teachers yeah, function. Yeah, get out and of like your own room. What they have on their walls and what they I don't know. It was really cool, and I observed a math class. That was also very interesting. But she's a rock star, so that was cool. And then my bud. Um, my grandma's coming to visit next week. Ooh, She'll be on the podcast. Yes. <laughs> I already warned her. Um, but I get to babysit my friend's kids tonight, so they're going to stay with me. So her and her husband can have like... Oh, date night. Yeah, because married people don't ever, don't ever get, get that. any time to <laughs> exactly. themselves. Exactly. Okay, so we're going to jump in with our interview. So Rebecca, can you just give everybody like a brief history of your life? 
<laughs> um, a brief history of 30 years. Let's see. Yeah, um, I know, right? <laughs> I was born and raised in Hawaii on the Big Island, and I love it there. And if given the opportunity and millions of dollars, I would definitely move back. But the cost of living is way too high, and uh, with the teacher salary, that's not happening. <laughs> um, I mean, a gallon of milk is $8. That is ridiculous. Seriously? Seriously, Yeah. <sighs> If you think yeah. about like the how much money has to be spent to import all the food that's going there, that's insane. Yeah. Um, so my family moved to Vegas because both my parents are teachers, so they were in the same boat. <laughs> it was too costly to live there. Not paying eight dollars for milk. <laughs> exactly. So they moved here. Um, we've lived here ever since, and. I went to UNLV for my bachelor's and my master's, and then I was foolish and got another master's. <laughs> and um, then I ended up working at a Title I at-risk school that was really far from home, and eventually made my way down to the Southwest. And here I am today. This is my ninth year of teaching. So next year is the Big Ten. Oh my goodness. Which is just like, what do you mean I've been doing this for that long? <laughs> and if you think about it, it's even longer because you got to count, like, you know, your student teaching yeah. or, you know, when I was subbing, yep. which I'm so glad those days are over. But, uh, yeah, it's been – it has been a long time of me being in the education system. Yeah, but one more year and you get that extra vested notch. Yes, true. I'm not sure if that really means anything me in CCSD, either, but, <laughs> but do I get a pin, a button? Is there a Maybe. plaque or something? Well, like, I'll get it when I'm – I'll get it year 13 because that's how the district works. Yeah. Maybe by year 15 they'll have it. Yeah. Maybe. Um, So why did you decide to become a teacher? Um, I think having both my parents as teachers was definitely uh, part of it. And so teaching was kind of always in the background of my mind. Even in seventh grade, uh, I was actually in – a future teachers of America club and I wasn't in it because of teaching it was we did like community service stuff like we helped teachers at the school it was just kind of like fun thing to do with my friends and a teacher that I liked was the advisor Um, but I look back to that and I actually saw that teacher um, over the summer at a a get-together a teacher's get-together and I was like blown away that I was like I haven't seen this woman since I was 12 years old. It's been 18 years. And I saw my teacher, because through a friend of a friend of a friend, she was at the same teacher gathering. And it was just like mind boggling to me. I was like, Miss Timon? Oh my God. (laughs) And you know, she's still in education. She's still doing her thing. So um, I had really great teachers and I really enjoyed the subject area of social studies. And so I think having really good teachers in that content area kind of pushed me towards that. I originally was going to do technology because I went to ATEC, which is yeah. a, a tech high school here in Vegas. And the plan was to go into informational technology or in, infotech systems. And then um, I graduated in 2007. I started UNLV and the bubble burst and the economy collaped. And um, yeah. life just kind of like smacked me around and my plans of going into UNLV's infotech program and kind of doing computer business or computer software systems or even web design, they didn't have enough money to keep that program open at UNLV and they had to close it. And so it was just kind of like, okay, recalculating, recalculating, <laughs> yeah. like what am I going to do? 
And um, my at the time, CCSD was a really great employer at the time. And so my parents... But that was like... like <laughs> That was 11 like 11 years ago. years ago, longer than that. It was, you know, 13 years ago. And so my dad was like, you know what? The benefits are really good. The The healthcare is great. You know, you, you have a, if you're willing to continue to get more and more educated, you will have a better chance of getting more and more step increases, which for those of you who don't know, it means your pay goes up slowly. You know, you're willing to get your master's or your master's degree yeah. too, and your pay was supposed to increase. And so he was like, you will consistent. And then as you teach longer, you get years of service as well. And so it was like the stair step system. And he was like, this is a really good investment for your future. You should, you know, really consider doing this. And so sure enough, I was like, okay, you know, I went into it. And the year that I got hired, um, I was one of three social studies teachers in the entire district to get hired. Oh, wow. So we were sitting together at the the new teacher orientation or whatever, and we were just kind of, like, looking at each other, like, oh, it's just us. Okay, okay, cool. Um, <laughs> because they had put, like, a hiring freeze on. Yeah. Because the economy was still really rough, and they weren't hiring a lot of people. So I consider myself really lucky to get a job, even though, you know, the school was really rough. But then I was like, okay, here, here I am. Did I answer the question? Did yeah, I ramble? <laughs> you did. You did. Okay. You did. Um, and you said you teach social studies. So what's your favorite part about teaching social studies? Um, let's see. She sent me the questions ahead of time. Yeah. I, I wrote them out. Okay, let's see. I teach <laughs> ahead social of time, studies. Like mm-hmm. an hour ago. <laughs> um, yeah, just a little short notice. Um, so one of the things, I'll, I'll do a little caveat and then I'll explain that. But one of the things is when I t- say social studies, like if I tell people, strangers, that I teach social studies, they instantly think like I teach map coloring or <laughs> that it's a textbook and I'm teaching ecosystems or it's the stuff that they learned 20, 30 years ago in yeah. school. And our curriculum, which, by the way, it just changed this year again. Um, our <laughs> curriculum is constantly changing. And the, the quote-unquote social studies or geography and history class that I had when I was in middle school or even the classes I had in high school are very different than what these kids are exposed to now. Like, I don't remember learning extensively about world religions. I don't remember mm-hmm. learning about current events. Like, my students are learning about current events, what's actually going on in the world. We're doing our financial literacy unit right now so they can understand, like, how money is spent, how money is earned. I didn't learn any of that stuff in school, like, let alone middle school. So that's kind of crazy. My favorite part about teaching is when years later, students who maybe didn't particularly like your class come back and they tell you, like, oh, my God, you were an amazing teacher. You really prepared me for high school. You know, it's those ones that, like, you have to, like, (laughs) drag kicking and screaming to the end of the year to get them through your class. And then they come back and they're like, you know what? I actually felt really prepared. I actually really – I went to high school and I really enjoyed the subject. And, you know, that means a lot, the kids that come back. Because they don't – the kids that we teach right now are – they're at an age where they're too egocentrical to think about the impact that we're having on their mm-hmm. lives. So it's not until they get older and or they get exposed to what high school teachers are like that they really go, oh, wow, my middle school teachers really did care about me on a personal level, you know, not just academic. They wanted me to do well academically, but they wanted me to be like, you know, upstanding, decent human beings as well. Um, and so when those kids come back or they email me and I'm just like, wow, like it's been three, four years and you still remember you know, your middle school teacher. Or I had this kid the other day who was like, I'm in um, 
the law program over at this university and I just wanted to tell you like thanks I still remember some of the stuff that you taught us in your class and I'm just like holy cow like you're an adult Get now the <laughs> like, frame it frame yeah the email. I print those out and I keep them hang them on the wall um, yeah, that's one thing I liked about teaching at the charter schools. The high school was on the same campus. Mm. So we would tell the kids, like, mm, like next year you're going to you be just like, wait. I miss you. Mm-hmm. And lo sure and behold, enough. high school hit them, and they were like, oh. Yeah. The, yeah. Yeah, the real world is starting to set in a little. Exactly. So in an ideal world, world, according to Rebecca, what would the well, school dangerous. system look like? Okay. Would there be a school system? But, like, what would it look like? <laughs> would there be a school yeah. system? Is it going to be online? Like, um, what would it It would be like? face-to-face. I think people need to interact in today's world. Um, I think it would be so face-to-face that I might consider locking phones away or, <laughs> I don't know, it's just... Welcome to life at a school. Sixth graders, they need... Makeup, makeup pictures. Hold, please. <laughs> um, so I think my schooling system, and I've, I've given it some thought, especially like when you see things happen and you're like, oh, I don't really like that, you know, in, in CCSD, but, um, or just in the U.S. It would be a combination of other school systems from around the world. I think I would do um, very similar to what the Japanese do, where they actually, they don't have a three-month summer off they do a trimester schedule and then it's kind of a month off in between. So I would do like 14 weeks of school and then three weeks off and then 14 weeks of school and three weeks off. And it would help prevent that that summer brain where the kids yeah. just seem to forget like half of the stuff that we taught them. Or how to behave. Or yeah, <laughs> how to function at a school because they're out of school for so long. Um, so I would do that. I would also do um, – like personal student enrichment activities on Fridays. So Friday afternoons uh, would be for teacher planning time. When I was in elementary school, I went to a private school in Hawaii, and Wednesdays we got out at like noon, and the three-hour time afterwards, teachers actually got that time to plan and do their lessons and grade and all that stuff. And I always thought, well, that's like a really good idea because we're always strapped for time. We never have enough time to plan or anything. Um, so Fridays, the kids, I think I would mandate everyone needs to be on like some type of sports team or play an instrument or be, you know, involved in something where they have to learn teamwork and camaraderie and patience that's outside of the actual classroom, because I think those skills are lacking in our world and, um, are not necessarily always getting taught at home. And you can't really learn that from Snapchat or Instagram because uh, <laughs> they definitely don't. No. And then I would like all the kids to be in a community service club where they have to do something oh. to give back to the community. So whether that's helping the less fortunate or helping the elderly or cleaning or painting murals, just betterment of society that you have to personally, like, let's pull out some JFK stuff. Like, what are you doing for society? Like, yeah. you want society to provide constantly for you, but what are you giving back? So I want students to get that at a very young age of giving back and appreciating the things that they have. Um, And I feel like if we started that young enough with kids, we would raise a generation of much more secure, stable, and nice adults. Um, Yeah, so. I like it. All right, rapid fire. Oh, no. Yep. Choose a number between 1 and 238. Eight. Eight. If a movie was made of your life, what genre would it be and who would play you? 
Uh, it would be J-Law, Jennifer Lawrence. <laughs> yes. Because <laughs> um, she's like, she's snarky and sometimes the things she says gets her in trouble and I feel like sometimes I'm in the same boat and then I'm just like, uh, <laughs> reel it on back. Um, and what type of movie would it be? It would probably be like, um, like Atlas Shrugged. <laughs> Like, like the most dramatic, like multi-part saga, and it it would be like a really cool story, but no one would know what it was because everyone would be like, "Dude, this movie is three hours long. There's no Avengers in it. I'm not sitting and watching this whole thing." Um, so it would be like a like Atlas Shrugged combined with like Gossip Girl. Oh, I like it. Yeah, I like it. it, it I would could be see very, that. <laughs> it would be very interesting. I have a much more chill life now, but earlier in my existence, yeah, there was a lot of, uh, yeah, my life was like Gossip Girl. <laughs> okay, next number. She, just so everyone knows, she has a giant list of There's questions. There's 238 questions. Uh, yeah. 116. 116 says, what is your favorite sport to watch? Favorite sport to watch? Um, it used to be football. Um, College or professional? Professional football. Okay. Uh, sorry, UNLV, but you're not very fun to watch. You're very depressing <laughs> and killed my love for college football. Uh, but I had a lot of friends that were very into professional football, and they're just when you are with the right people for watching a sport, it's absolutely fantastic. That's like, so I watched true. the Super Bowl with Kelly Menifee one year. And she was she made it so much fun just to watch the whole thing. Um, she's like super. She was in episode three. Go listen. But she's like super passionate about she is football. Hardcore, and her team was in it, and she was like pacing and walking in and out of the room, and things were like flying, and it was <laughs> that's like it was a drama mixed with sports. Um, but nowadays, I definitely like watching hockey. My boyfriend Adam is plays hockey, loves hockey, and so and we, we now have a professional hockey. And team. we now have a professional hockey team, which has super overpriced tickets. So I love watching at home. <laughs> because who can afford to go? <laughs> Teacher salary, guys. Teacher salary. Okay, next. Uh, last one, 200. 200. Oh, it's on the other side. Okay. Your favorite memory? Ever? Ever. It's really that you want to share. It's really depressing, like the first thing that came to my mind. Uh, my favorite memory, uh, honestly, was... Okay, I'm going to not cry while I tell a story, but, you know, sometimes happy things are sad, too. I went to Disneyland as a 20-something adult with my family. I think I was, like, 22, 23 or something like that. And we had found out, and this was in Christmas time. And so at Disneyland, Santa was there all dressed up or whatever. And, like, my family, we're corny, so even though I'm an adult, like, I go and I take pictures with Santa because yeah. I'm a big kid. I don't have any kids, so I'm still a big kid. And so I went to take pictures with Santa, and um, the the guy asked me, he goes, well, what do you, you know, he's, he's a nice gentleman. He goes, what would you like for Christmas? And I was like, I want my mom's cancer to go away. Aww. I know, because we had just found out earlier in the year that she had thyroid cancer, and, and, and he, like, he, like, patted my shoulder. He goes, we'll see what we can do. And I was like, thanks, Santa. And I left That's crying. So and so I walked out, and my dad's looking at me like, why are you crying? Because he, did, right, he didn't hear this conversation. And I was just like, 
I was like, yeah, I just, uh, you know, Santa and I had a real emotional conversation. And so he just kind of looked like my dad was just like, okay, like, don't ask. Like, maybe she's on her period. I don't know. So, um, and then uh, I think six months to a year later, um, her cancer markers, well, she had to have surgery and all that kind of stuff, and her cancer markers showed that she was getting better. And as of yesterday, and the reason that popped into my yeah, head yeah. is yesterday she went to her endocrinologist, which is the person that yeah. does your thyroid, and uh, her cancer markers are gone. And so Look at I know, I was like, yes. So it's been years. It's been like six years or something, but I still remember that whenever she goes in for her six month check to test her blood and check yeah. the nodules and everything like that, I always think back to Santa and I'm like, Santa, you're the man. Like, That's an awesome memory. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. That's really awesome. Oh. I know. Get me and my feels, Rebecca. I Dang. Um, so any advice for first year teachers? I know, real big pivot here, guys. Like, super emotional. Uh, it's okay to cry first year teachers. I'm just going to tell you. Uh, it's literally, that is what I have <laughs> written down. I said, it's okay to cry when you feel overwhelmed, but you probably shouldn't do it in front of the kids. No, turn around, face the wall, and then... Don't let them ever see you cry. Like, it's like a wild animal, like cheetahs or lions or whatever or bears. Like, you're not supposed to be scared in front of them because right. if you show fear, like, they can smell it. Um, that's so <laughs> that is, right. Uh, advice for first year teachers. What did I write down? I said, be consistent in your expectations. Yeah. Because if you have expectations set up and you follow through with them, uh, students will respond well to that. If you are wishy-washy and you're all over the place or you have like really strict expectations one day and the next day you're just like chill and you don't care, then it's sending them mixed messages and they don't know how to respond to you or how to act in your class. And that is, it's perfectly normal for that to happen. It is hard to be consistent all the yeah. time, especially because it can be draining. It, it can be emotionally draining to have to be a bitch and to, you know, yeah. the kids aren't behaving and you're having to be on top of them all the time and be like, no, you can't do this. You, you have to behave this way. These are my expectations. And that can be really hard because you want to have a happy, positive day. And sometimes when you're having to lecture or you're having to scold them, it brings down your mood. And yeah. so it's hard to like, you know, kind of buck back up again when you want to be around other adults or whatever. And you're cranky because you just had to spend the day yelling at children for not doing what yeah. they're supposed to or not turning things in on time or whatever. So be consistent. It will be beneficial. It will take a little bit of time. Um, find someone on campus that you f trust and you can confide in and who will give you honest advice because and who won't run into admin or whoever right exactly <laughs> like you need to find that person who you can just be like oh like the world is falling around down on me this child you know just screamed out in class or threw something and like i didn't know how to react or you said something stupid like it it, it happens, happens. And, you know, we're human and we're like one of the only professions that it's expected that you never make any mistakes. You know, heaven forbid you make a mistake and you say the wrong thing and you're up in the principal's office getting lectured because you said the wrong three words and, you know, that kind of thing. And so I'd say just kind of hang in there, find person that you can confide in, 
spill your guts, get it out because then you're going to feel a lot better and you can kind of like woosah and let it go. The worst thing is like trying to take home that stress yeah. and then you let it out on, we always do it, but you let it out on your loved ones and they don't deserve it because you're mad at the kids, not at your loved ones. And then I think the last thing is don't feel bad if you are exhausted every day and you go home and need a, a nap, especially as a new teacher. I remember the first two years of teaching. I don't, the transition from like college and working and then becoming a teacher and working That's was different. completely different. And I would go home completely exhausted and I would absolutely collapse. Like I carpooled and sometimes I would actually fall asleep like in the car on the way home when I wasn't the one having to drive. Cause yeah. I was just like, I'm so tired. And one of the teachers that started working with me a few years ago, she's like, I'm tired every day. Like I go home and I sleep and then I wake up and I do stuff around the house, but then I go back to sleep for the rest of the night. And I'm like, don't feel bad. Like yeah. you will be tired doing this job it's mentally emotionally physically it's all the drainings it drains everything yeah it drains absolutely everything okay and then before we leave i just want to touch on something because i was (laughs) like i am um hmm okay katie katie sent me a question she says (laughs) what do you wish the everyday american knew about teachers and i was like oh i have to i have to answer this okay we are one of the most educated groups of people you will ever meet there are so many teachers with master's degrees or multiple master's degrees or even their doctorates. And people don't think that because they don't think of teaching as that highly educated group of people because we're not treated as a highly educated group of people. Um, So people like to think like, oh, teachers, it's cute and you color and whatever. So I don't know, maybe they're blanketing all teachers (laughs) together with like a first grade teacher or a kindergarten teacher. But um, I have people tell me all the time, oh, I could never be a teacher. Or even my students, my badly behaved students, oh, I could never be a teacher. And And I'm like, then why don't you behave better so that we don't have this issue where you're like, oh, I could never be a teacher because kids are bad. Well, then don't be bad. Right. (laughs) Or adults who are like, I could never do what you do. Okay, then if you understand how hard my job is, shouldn't you be okay with paying me more? Like, don't send me the scathing email. Or, yeah, or don't don't be mean about the stuff that I'm trying to do when you have one, two, maybe three children, maybe seven children at most that you're raising, and I'm trying to raise 170 teenagers all at the same time. I'm trying to deal with their emotional like roller coasters and you, you know, you tell me in a parent conference, I don't, I don't know what to do with my child. And I'm like, you might not know what to do, but I still have to do it every day. Right. You know? Um, and then I think the other thing is, um, the, we fundraise and we have been so lucky with our fundraisers the past two years because they have been successful. But can you imagine telling a doctor that they need to fundraise money in order to buy new scalpels or rubber gloves for, you know, patient procedures or syringes or uh, IV lines or anything like that. Like, that would be absolutely ridiculous, right? But we expect teachers to beg for money, go on donors choose, um, you know, oh, please give us school supplies. There's always those school supply drives at the beginning of the year or during the holidays, or people gift me supplies. And it's like, would you walk into your doctor's office and give them like a box of gloves or sterile napkins or something like that? No. So it's absolutely ridiculous that we, as such a educated and professional group of people, continuously have to essentially beg for money. Agreed. From either the parents or the kids or, you know, state legislatures or whatever. I mean, my own family 
funded my donors' shoes project. So. <laughs> right. And I told the kids when they were like, oh, you know, the fundraiser, meh. And I was like, you, you personally, your physical body cost taxpayers on an individual basis. You each cost $6,000. And you don't want to – and you get – free transportation you know you sit in here for free some of you like it some of you don't uh some of you get free food in the cafeteria and you don't even want to donate five dollars ten dollars to you know the school that is essentially where you spend more time than home yeah and you know this is where you spend all the time in your day so yeah that's that's just one of my things that I'm like I wish America knew like that we are professionals and I wish they would treat us a little bit more like that. Or if they do realize that we're professionals, then why not reflect the attitude of respect that should go along with that? Well, there's like a statistic. It's like teachers on average, some people spend more. Some people are like no longer spending money on their classrooms, but it's $472 a year that they spend on their own classrooms. Yeah. And that's absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. Why should... I, like I said, I don't ever imagine a doctor's office being a like, yeah, or a hospital being like, hey, employees, um, you know, buy all your own printer paper so you can print the charts for our patients. Yeah. Like, bring in your own folders. What? <laughs> like, that makes no sense. So. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah, just something to, something to think about, listeners. People out there. People out there. <laughs> This one's going to blow up and there's going to be like angry <laughs> comments on the website. I hope so. How dare she? I How hope dare so. she say those things? I pray for it. Hmm. Um, any other final thoughts? Happy Friday. Yay! It's the weekend. Fridays are awesome. Thank you. Thanks for doing this interview. Yeah, thanks for asking me. This Yay. is fun. So for our quote this week, guys, I just wanted to play off what Rebecca mentioned or brought up in her interview. She brought up JFK. So our quote this week is... Ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country from JFK. And maybe it's not your country that you need to be asking this question for. Maybe it's your community. Maybe it's your family or your friends or your coworkers. So ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country, JFK. Thank you guys for listening. I hope you enjoyed the interview with Rebecca. Um, just a reminder, you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Radio Public. And if you like what you hear, please leave us a review. Um, our website is classroomconfessions.net, and you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Classroom Confessions Podcast. And your weekly reminder, you are alive, you are kind, you are patient, you are wonderful, you are fearless, you are important. You can teach anything, you can be anything, and you can change the world. You're doing the damn thing. You've made it another week. Bye, y'all.